Welcome to Adventures in ESL Podcast, a podcast for K-12 ESL teachers who want to learn strategies and tips for planning for their English language learners. I am Millie and I will be your host on this ESL adventure. I am Millie and of course as usual I'm excited to be here with you all today. So I want to apologize. I guess I'm operating on maybe some different bandwidth but for some reason um, I this is around my lunchtime so I was like oh it'll be a good time but I didn't think about some of you all that are in meetings and all of that teaching classes. So what I'll do on Saturday I'll do a different session. It'll be at 11 a.m. And during that session, I will make sure to include a link that's not on Facebook. It may be like a webinar that you all can come to and ask questions and all of that good stuff. So I'll make sure to send a link and I'll make sure to post it on Facebook. Okay, so I am live on my Facebook and my Instagram. So I'm just trying to figure out how to navigate the two to make sure that you all get um, hear some of these questions. And if you have questions as well, make sure you drop them in the comment box. Okay, so um, the first thing um, that I've been noticing is that, of course, I'm probably in a lot of these same groups that you all are in. And um, of course, a lot of times a lot of these questions are coming up about how to support my students. What can I do? And I want to let you all know that, of course, I'm on the same journey as you all. I teach um ELLs and a lot of them don't have the technology, they don't have the resources. And so I'm navigating this and I'm learning. And so I want to encourage everybody else that's on this journey as well, that if you, if we ask a question, if you kind of know an answer or something that's been working for you, definitely put those in the comments. And also this is going to be recorded. So I'm recording it now and it will be replayed and I will also make sure to upload it to a private link on YouTube that I will send out and post. That way you can share with other people. And if you have any questions or concerns, you can do that as well. So once again, we are going to be tackling questions that you are coming up as you're navigating this pandemic with your ELLs. Okay. So if you have questions, just put them in the comment box and we'll see what we can do about getting those answered. Okay. Now, the first thing that I've seen come up a lot when it comes to this is how can I make weekly connections with my ELLs? Now, I am going to be sharing this one with you because a lot of teachers in my school, just mainstream teachers, are doing this as well. So I want to share some of their strategies. I want to share how I've been making connections with my students. And of course, if you have ways that you've been making connections, make sure that you definitely drop those in the comment box as well. And I also have the other questions. So one of the ways that I've been making connection is old school phone calls and text messages. Something came up really interesting in our faculty meeting and somebody said, which is understandable, look, I don't want these kids to have my phone number. I'm one of those people that I don't really care, you know, cause you can block them if it gets ridiculous. Um, but some people I respect them. They don't want their phone number. If you're concerned about the kids having your phone number, Google Voice is a free option. It kind of gives you like a shell number. So it's like a dummy number that when you call out, that's the number that they see. And when you text, that's the number that they see, but they don't actually have your phone, your real phone. So that's one way. Um, I don't speak Spanish. So a lot of my students are Spanish speakers. So I've been having 
our bilingual mentor, she's been really great and really helpful in reaching out to those students for me and contacting them, giving them information about when I'm doing my live lessons, offering them support. So I would suggest that's the first method, reach out by phone or reach out by text message. I also wanna know here, document everything that you're doing. You're gonna hear me say that a lot throughout this, but I really wanna encourage you to document every single thing that you are doing. So when you're doing this, make sure you're documented. Well, some a gentleman I work with, he said, you know what, I'm keeping a phone log. And I'm like, you know what, I'm calling, but I definitely need to keep a hard copy of a phone log. So make sure you're doing that. Another way um, that has been helpful, and this is how it's been really successful for me, is use apps such as Remind. I've heard teacher her use talking points. I haven't discovered and, and played around with talking points yet. I like Remind because it's, um, it's connected to Google Classroom. I'm not sure it's talking points is. Um, and it also translates in tons of different languages. So I have a Vietnamese student and Spanish-speaking students, so I can transfer it to Vietnamese, or I can translate it to Spanish. And it connects to their Flipgrid. So when they do the assignments, I can just send the um, through Remind the Flipgrid video. So I personally love using Remind. People respond to text messages. They like text messages. It's quick. So I've been having a lot of success with connecting with my students and their families um, through Remind. Like I said, other people, somebody else in comments, have they used Talking Points? I have not used Talking Points, but that's a good option as well. Also, with Google Voice, I mean, you can text through Google Voice if you need to, but I strongly suggest you do it through apps like Remind that are approved by your school district or through Talking Points, okay? Um, the next thing that I want to suggest is um, is called Bomb Bomb. It is hilarious, but what they do is you can send free videos of yourself through an email. It's free for educators right now, so I'm going to actually be doing this next week. So I'm going to be sending uh, in an email, or just a free snippet, like, hey, I am Miss Williams. Um, how are you doing? I'm checking in with you. Uh, just reply back. So if you are, have good communication with email, um, I would suggest that you send a free video through that way. It just embeds in the email. The parents don't have to click on a link or anything to go outside of the email. It's just in the email. It's called Bomb Bomb. It's free for teachers right now. I know people that in a couple of groups I'm in, they love it for their customers, um, but I can see how you can use that for your students, sending out quick videos. Once again, it's embedded in the email. So they don't have to click out of the email to actually look at the video. So it's really cool. And that's something that you can use to connect. And you can always go old school, right? This is something I was thinking about doing. Unfortunately, there are a couple of students that I'm just not able to reach, even with all of these things in place. And so one of the things that I'm doing next week is I'm sending out a letter to them. And in the letter, like a mail, dropping in the mailbox, sending it out to them. I'm going to go ahead and one thing I'm going to do is use the school email address as a return uh, email address. The school address is a return address. But what I'm doing is just sending them a letter and just saying, hey, here are all the resources that are available to you. Reach out to me. Here is my Google Voice number if you need to call me. And once again, I am keeping documentation of all of this. So showing that I connected with my students and keeping a log of this. And so these are some of the ways that you can connect with your students throughout. I want you to know that you all are doing so much right now. And the reality of it is there may be some that you, you that are their phone may be off or they may be struggling with the Internet and 
you are doing everything that you can. So I don't want you to feel guilty about that. Just make sure that you keep trying, keep a log, keep documentation that you're trying, and eventually you're gonna have a breakthrough. And I'm gonna share with you all later my breakthrough with one of my students. Finally, finally I got in touch with her and, and she was able to come, okay? Another question is that we are hearing a lot is that how do I support my ELLs who do not have access to technology or they their technology is kind of, um, you know, maybe on and off. And what I mean by that is, is that they may have access to a cell phone, but it's one cell phone in the house and their parent needs a cell phone to go to work. What, what can I do? Now, some of you all, you know, that's amazing. You're in a one-to-one -one district. All your, your students have access to computers. That's great. You know, unfortunately, you know, that's not my reality and that's not a lot of reality of the teachers out there. Um, but we are going to be talking about, because somebody asked a good question about, I think I'm assuming she's in a one-to-one -one district. What could she do? What are some resources? And we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but if you're on the opposite end and you just, you don't know how to support your students and they don't have access to technology, what can you do? And so these are some things that I've been doing that have been working really well for me. Okay. The first thing is, is that you need to ask your students. You may be surprised, okay? And so what I mean by that is, is before we assume that they have no access to technology, they don't have any laptops, any computers, no tablets, you need to reach out to the parents and ask them first. Take a quick survey. And so this is what happened with me before I left. I asked the students before I left school, before we left school, I said, look, right quickly, let me do a quick survey. I have them right on a sticky note. I said, tell me what type of technology do you have at home? Whether that's a phone, a tablet, a computer, uh, whatever you have, tell me. And I asked them again, a follow-up question. I said, well, is the phone yours or is your mom's phone, your dad's phone? So before we jump into, I know my students don't have anything. You need to ask first. So I'm really pushing you to ask. And you can ask when you do those phone calls out. You can ask when you do the remind. You can ask, you know, if you're sending an email, you can ask your bilingual mentor to ask. Before we jump into, like, they don't have it, you need to determine what do they have. And then that can guide you on how you need to support your students, okay? So make sure that you take the time and ask first. So one of the things that once after you ask and you get an, an idea of what they do and do not have, then one of the things that have been really helpful for those students who have that maybe um, on and off type of technology, right? They don't have access to a phone all day or they don't have access to a tablet all day. One of the things that I would suggest that you do, if you're doing um, uh, videos in Google Meet or videos in Zoom, you have the option to record those videos. Record those videos and those lessons that you're doing because one, they can be very valuable for your students that are that don't have that access to consistent technology. So one of the things that you do is record it, upload it. It's really easy to upload to YouTube. You can upload it to a private link on YouTube and send it out via remind or talking points to the students who may have access to technology a little later in the day or it may be on and off. So for those students who are able to show up to your Google Meet or your Zoom lessons, still have those, whether it's one or two students, and then record it and upload it to YouTube. And I say YouTube because I feel like everywhere, everybody on the planet has access to YouTube at some point. They even have a link on their phone, or I mean, an app on their phone. They can go to it. It's easy to access. And 
to protect your privacy and the student's privacy, do it as a private link or an unlisted link so no one can, you know, access it without your permission. So do that. That is an option as well that you can do. Now, the second thing that I've been doing is, I, like I said, I've been hosting lessons through Google. Uh, you can do through Google Meet. I've been doing Zoom because it's really easy for the kids to access. We'll talk about security on that as well. Um, but that has been really easy for me to use. So you can host those lessons, do a PowerPoint just as you would normally do it. One of the ways that I've been doing is I've been structuring it just like my class. So when they come in, they have a bell ringer. We go over the expectations. We have go over the language objective. We do all of that just as we're doing class. And you do have to kind of be intentional about making sure it's interactive, stopping every few minutes saying, hey, post in the comments the answer to this question. Hey, I would like somebody to come on the video and share. You do have to be mindful of making sure that it's not just really teacher-led and teacher-heavy and keeping them in um, engaged. But you can definitely do that. So host those lessons through Google Meet or Google Zoom. There were some days when I had a few kids come, and then there are some days when I have almost everybody shows up. But regardless, I'm recording those and uploading them to a private site so the students can have access to that, okay? The next thing is sometimes we have to be a little creative. And so Instagram has what they call um, IGTV. I know a lot of my students are on Instagram. And so if your students are on Instagram, and they follow a school account of some sort, you can host a lessons on Instagram. You can do IGTV or something like that. The downside about that is that I'm not sure if, I'm pretty sure you probably can't do screen sharing or anything like that, but that's just stepping outside the box and being creative. If your students are on Facebook, most kids are not on Facebook um, from what I've seen, but you can even do live lessons like I'm doing now on Facebook. As you see, I have a PowerPoint and everything ready on Facebook. And the same thing with YouTube. I'm kind of a little, um, YouTube is just really out there in the sense of that it's so public. Um, so I don't know if I would feel comfortable doing it on YouTube, but you can host um, private videos on YouTube and private lessons on YouTube as well. But you may just have to think of just being creative and doing that. Like I said, I know a lot of kids are on Instagram and a lot of times school have websites, Instagram accounts. And so that may be an option of you hosting a lesson through Instagram if that's just what you and chart paper, you're doing a quick vocabulary lesson, a quick speaking, discussion prompts, things like that um, to kind of engage them. So those are some ideas to kind of get you started on how you can support your students that have very limited technology, okay? Now, on the flip side of that, one of the ways our district, they have been doing a fantastic job of this is supporting kids that do not have any type of technology is that they've been doing live lessons on TV, and maybe that's something that you can bring to your district, and teachers have been volunteering to go on, it's like our public access channel here, and teaching live, and also they have um, stations here where uh, students can go and pick up uh, packets and work to work on at home for students who have no access to any um, technology, okay? So let me know if you have any follow-up uh, questions about that. Now, some people are asking, um, what if I'm not able to contact my students? And this has happened to me. Like, I've been reaching out. I just have, uh, the phone has been disconnected. They haven't been responding. And so, like I said, I mentioned, make sure that you keep a parent contact log. You know, a, co a colleague, he reminded me, you know what? You need a parent contact log. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I need to keep that. That shows documentation that you are doing everything that you are supposed to be doing, that you are reaching out. So make sure every time you contact a parent, every time you contact a student, you keep a log of that, you keep documentation of that as well. 
um, I will say try different avenues. One of the things that I tried is that we were on a meeting yesterday and I know some, all of the kids are like, hey, they know each other. And so I said, hey, does anybody know this student? Does anybody have access to her Snapchat or her Instagram? You don't have, and I tell them, you don't have to give it to me. I respect her privacy, but it would be great if you can tell her for me that we are here and we're live and provide her the link. And one of my students, he messaged me. He said, hey, Miss Williams, I can do that for you. And literally within five minutes, she was on the meeting because he sent her a Snapchat message. So this may not work so much for elementary teachers. I don't know. But for middle school and high school, that may work pretty well because usually it's probably somebody in your class that knows that person, that knows their Snapchat, that knows their Instagram, that can get in contact with them. So when she came on, I said, hey, I'm trying to get in contact to you. She was like, oh, my phone number changed. Here's my new phone number. Okay. So really try to think outside the box with that. And so that's why I say ask any students or friends to see if they can pass on any information. Like I said, I don't ask for their Snapchat. I don't ask for their Instagram account. All I ask is the students like, hey, if you're playing, one of the kids, uh, they play uh, video games together. And I'm assuming on the video games, you can chat with each other. And so one of the kids was like, well, hey, miss, I said, I can't get in touch with this student. It's another student I'm trying to get in touch with. And the other student, he messaged me and he said, hey, Miss Williams, I can, tonight I, I'm playing, we're scheduled to play some video game together. I think they were playing Fortnite. And he said, I'll chat with him on Fortnite and tell him to be here. And he showed up. Okay, so like you just think about seeing asking your students already they're showing up and they're being consistent. Do they know this person on like a, a, a social media or anything like that? And if they can pass on that information um, and that has worked out really well for me um, as well. And they've done it. Okay. Um, and I want you to know, even if all of this does not work, I want to encourage you to keep trying regardless. Make sure that you're doing everything that you are doing and that you gave it your best. So you can walk away from saying, look, I did everything that I could to contact my students, everything that I could. And if you're still not able to get in contact with them, I want you to have peace with knowing that you tried everything that you could. Like I said, I've tried all of these things. So I'm still trying, there's still some kids I can't get in touch with, you know, and so, I'm going to keep trying every week. I'm going to try to call. I'm going to try to send a letter. I'm going to, you know, ask the kids, hey, have you heard from this person or this person? Every week I'll try knowing that at the end of the day, I gave it my best shot. So when I see them next year, I, I'm at peace knowing, look, I really tried to get in touch with you and I just couldn't. Okay. So just keep trying and give it your best shot regardless of everything. Okay. Now, Another question that I've been seeing a lot about is that I co-teach and I'm not being included on the assignments and how do I support my ELLs? So this is me being completely real and completely transparent with you all. I really believe that this is just not acceptable. It's not okay. And I don't want you just to accept it. It's not okay. You, you are equal. You need to be included on those assignments. And I want to encourage you to do everything you need to do to make sure that you're included on those assignments. So this is how I always go about dealing uh, with my coworkers when there's an issue like this that comes up because it is an issue and it is a concern, okay? The first thing that I do is I have a very transparent conversation with your co-teacher. And I will suggest you have that, that conversation via email so that way it's documented, okay? And in that conversation, I'm not saying copy in the whole administration team, but I'm saying that when you have this conversation with your co-teacher, Say, hey, I have ELLs in your classroom. You are sending out assignments to them. 
and I want to be able to support them in any way possible. Can you please send me those assignments? Can you please send, copy me in that conversation? Can you please send me the link to the Google Me or if they're doing online classes so I can be a part of this conversation and that way I can support my students. So that's the first step. I always say go to the person first, talk to them, give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was a lack of communication somewhere, a breakdown in communication. But make sure you have that conversation with them first. Say, look, I, I need this is a compliance. I need to support my students. I need to be included on this assignments. I need to differentiate for them. Can you give me the assignments? I need the assignments so I can do what I need to do. So, you know, do your job. And like I said, make sure that you send some. And if you have it in verbally over the phone, I always say, make sure you follow up with an email. So there's something on record saying that you had this conversation, okay? The next thing is that, look, if the person, I really believe after you have the conversation with my whole heart and spirit that it's going to get better. That's what I want to believe and that's what I'm going to believe. But if for whatever reason that it continues, then make sure you reach out to your administration for support. Ask, tell them like, look, I have to support my students. I have to support them. It's the law. I mean, you have to do this, right? And so tell your administration that. Tell them, I need your support on this. Once again, make sure that you have some type of documentation. And if you can, if you can, if you know that they're having a meeting or a Google meeting or, or, um, or a Zoom meeting, be there, show up, you know, um, and support your students any way you can. And of course, throughout this whole process, make sure that you are documenting everything you need to document to ensure that there's something on record saying that you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing. So there won't be any question about that, okay? So those are my two biggest suggestions to do that first, okay? Let me know if you have any follow-up questions. The next thing I've been getting a lot of, and this has happened to me too, I'm not above it, <laughs> is that how can I ensure my Zoom lessons are secure? People call it Zoom bombing. I call them Zoom trolls because to interrupt a lesson with our precious students, um, to me, is just so disgraceful. And just it, it irks me to the depths of my soul. But if you don't recognize the name, this is what I've been telling teachers at my school. How do you keep your meeting, your Zoom meeting secure? Look, the reality of it is when you go into a school, I know at my school, the office does not play. If your name is not on whatever that list is, you're not getting in. You're not picking up the student. And so our mindset is going, and this is for me too, it has to shift that same way. The same type of tight-knit security needs to go to your virtual classroom, okay? And so one of the things that I've been doing is like, I tell the students beforehand, if I don't know who you are, you're not getting in. It's not a discussion. It's not an argument about it. You need to make sure your name is clear. So if you got young, young, young Bay or some random name, this happens a lot in middle school. They want these old random off the wall nicknames. Okay. Um, so <laughs> if I don't recognize the name, you're not getting in the room. Okay. Um, one of, uh, one of the counselors, she was on a meeting with me today and there was somebody named John trying to get in the meeting. And John is a really common name. And I, and I sent a message to John and I said, John, I need to know your last name. Um, you're not getting in my room if I don't know your last name. I'm protecting my student's security. Don't know you. You're being removed, okay? Because a lot of times kids join with iPhone or some other things. And I tell the kids, name yourself before coming to the room. That is the best way to protect yourself. And don't feel bad if you don't let people in and you don't know their name. You need to just make sure you do that. 
Another feature is the waiting room. So all of the students go to the waiting room. I made this mistake at first. My first lesson, I didn't enable the waiting room. So when I got to the Zoom meeting, students were already there. I'm like, whoa, where are you all coming from? <laughs> so make sure you enable the waiting room. That gives you control over who can come in your room uh, in your virtual classroom and you can even put students in the waiting room like in the end of the lesson we have students kind of lingering and so I just put them in the waiting room so the next thing I suggest is add a password to your meeting this is one thing I had to learn the hard way too I didn't have a password make sure you have a password to every single meeting that you do as well the next thing is that has been really helpful for me is reach out to another teacher to see if they can moderate the meeting and what that means is like, if you're teaching, then you can make somebody like the host and then they can control who comes in, they can control the chat box and you can just focus on your teaching. So I have a couple of teacher friends who've been really helpful in coming and they have been helping me moderate. Um, our school has implemented this where we have moderators. So that's been really, really helpful for me in doing these meetings. Um, the next thing is, um, I meant to say allow only you. Um, you are um, There's an option in Zoom to where only you can share the screen. So if you click that button says only host shares the screen, the only person that can share the screen is you. Because what I'm understanding is happening is these Zoom trolls are coming in and then they're sharing their screen. And so you can turn off that option, okay? Um, the next thing is that a lot of things are happening is annotation. Like people are coming in and they're writing on the screen. You can turn off annotation. So turn that off. Um, unless you're a math teacher, um, you I can see needing it, but you can you can turn it off and you can also turn it on during the meeting as well. So, but I've turned it off. I have no need for it. If I want to annotate something, I'll do it um, possibly on my iPad in like the notes section. But other than that, no, these are the things that I've been doing. I would say after my hard lesson learned, this has been working out really well for me. And like I said, the biggest thing, the number one thing, if you don't know them, don't let them in. No question. And you can message them and say, hey, tell me your name. Okay. Now, this question is from Rachel P. Rachel says, um, what are the federal guidelines and expectations for ESL service at this time? Rachel, I have no idea what the federal guidelines and expectations for ESL services at this time. I'll be completely honest with you. But this is what I've been doing. I've been acting like the guidelines are the same. <laughs> and that's why I'm so heavy on making sure that you're documenting everything. So make sure that you have that contact log. Make sure that you're reaching out to the teachers to um, offer any support. Document that you're reaching out to the teachers offering support. We call them here ILPs. That's like their T-Students Language Support Plans. Um, you know, send out that ILP ILPs to their, your teachers during this virtual learning time and say, hey, just so you know, I just want to make sure these modifications are being followed as well, okay, for my students. So my best suggestion is to act like it is nothing has changed and you're doing everything that you can to support your students. And that means that reaching out to those teachers, asking, can you differentiate your assignments, reaching out, sending them those ILPs, contacting your students, checking on their grades. Everything about the job is the same. And I think that's pretty much what my district told us <laughs> to do um, as well. Now, you also asked, how do we support our students without adding more work to their plates? Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, some schools have these huge packets, and I think that goes back to how do we support them? One of the ways that I'm seeing the, to support students that's been really helpful is allowing office hours 
And so what that looks like is that you set up a time where you have your Zoom meeting. You don't have to have any lessons or anything. And you say, hey, this is my office hours. Um, I want you to come during these office hours and you can, I can support you with your assignments. The next thing that you can do is that if you know what the students are doing, like let's say for example, um, they are learning about the order of operations and you know they're learning about the order of operations because you've been in contact with the teacher, then what's to say you uh, create a video on the order of operations and say, hey, I know you're a teacher that you're working with is teaching order operations. I want to give you a quick tutorial on how to do the order of operations and send that video out, upload it to a private link on YouTube, send that uh, out. That's not adding any additional work to them. That's just supporting them as well. Reaching out to the parents, asking them, hey, what can I do to help your uh, help the students? And also, also, like I said, if you know your, your co-teachers or teachers at your school are having Zoom meetings, drop in on those Zoom meetings that they have and, and support your students within those meetings. Like tell the teacher that, hey, I'm, I'm here and I want to support my students. Can you unmute me? Can you make me a co-teacher, a co-host? Um, and I can jump in back and forth and do this, okay? Maybe talk to them beforehand and see if that's something that you can do. So those are my best suggestions. Uh, for you. Please let me know, Rachel, if you have a follow-up question, okay? Um, the next question is, um, is that she asks, um, from Kristen, she says, I'm going to a PD tomorrow to learn about Google Classrooms. What are some great resources I should share with my ELCL? There are so many out there, but what do you feel best? You are right. There are a lot of resources out there, but these are my favorite. I'm assuming, uh, Kirsten, that you are in a one-to-one -one school, and um, I would suggest the first one is Nearpod. I honestly suggest Nearpod to every single one of you all out there. It is a amazing resource. I don't want to get in trouble for sharing their stuff on the screen share, but what I suggest you do is go because they have a whole section. You all, they have like 400 lessons for ELLs. And what that looks like is interactive. So they have virtual tours for ELLs. They have academic uh, vocabulary for ELLs. They have science lessons for ELLs. And I looked at them and they are really good. Um, Nearpod Kirsten integrate, I'm positive it integrates with Google Classroom. So you can just go there, pick out a lesson and just teach it. I mean, it is an amazing resource. It's so interactive. I love it. I mean, there are so many teachers in my school that love it. We're using it. It's free right now. The next one, uh, Kirsten, I would say is Edpuzzle. Edpuzzle is also another uh, app that integrates the Google Classroom. That is amazing. It's interactive. You can put videos in there. You can pause the videos and ask questions. You can do a video in there and it's like a quick little quiz. I love doing that, uh, Kirsten, for listening because like if they are listening, they can't rewind it. You can put a button that says do not rewind and do those quizzes in there those are great those are my absolute two favorite like if i can use just those two i will use those two i really want to suggest you definitely check out nearpod all of you all go check out nearpod you don't have to have google classroom to check out nearpod i was thinking about actually assigning some lessons through nearpod for my students all they need is an app their phone and they can go in and do a self-pacing of nearpod I would love to know if anybody else has used Nearpod as well. Yeah, Tara says, um, <laughs> yeah, she says, I love Nearpod, but I feel the photographs for secondary are too elementary. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. They are, like, you know, I think that's the thing a, a secondary teacher struggle with. Um, um, 
yeah oh let me move that i'm sorry yeah <laughs> let me move that really quickly um move my picture <laughs> thank you for telling me that yeah so yeah I, it's ed puzzle those are my two favorite um and yeah caitlin that's the same thing we were very professionally told keep doing your job <laughs> yeah and so to keep doing your job is doing everything and making uh record them um Don, when we, you need to check with your district. You said, do we have to have permission from parents to record them? Now, um, in our district, I think they have like something for educational purposes, but I'm not recording um, like my students' faces. That's a good question. One of the things, it's just me. Like it'll just be me on this video right here. So you can just record yourself. You don't have to record your student faces. One of the other teachers, the art teacher in my school, she mentioned something really cool. She said in iMovie, you can actually crop out the students as well. And it's just you talking. Um, so that is something as well. But one of the things I've been doing, I haven't been recording the student faces. It's just me just being, you know, extra protective. It's just been me on the video. Um, and when I do have them on video, I actually just crop them out and then it's just me and it's just only audio as well. Um, Carrie asks, you can also make your own video short lessons using Loom. Yeah, I've heard good things about Loom. I haven't played around with it yet, um, but I've heard some really good things about Loom. I like Screencastify as well. That's really good too. Uh, with beginning, okay. Um, yeah, Kayla, let me know how your uh, snail mail goes. Um, as well because i would love to know um how that works because it's just like i have four that i just i can't get in touch with just breaking my heart because i cannot get in touch with them you all so i'm really trying my best to make sure that i can do everything to get in touch with them and i just it's snail mail that's only other that's my last option and i'm going to send out a postcard say hey call me <laughs> just call me it's not even going to have a whole list of resources say hey this is miss williams call me. I need to talk to you. Um, yeah, if you all use talking points, I keep hearing so many good things um, about talking points. So I need to go around and play with it as well. Um, yes. Yeah, so if you all have any question, okay, Carrie asks, what about Quizlets for older students? Yeah, I love Quizlet. I don't, for older I use Quizlet too. I don't know if any of you all have to take the praxis, but Quizlet is a gold mine. Um, I know one of my teachers, uh, that I work with, he uses Quizlet for his students and he loves it. So yes, I would really think that's a good idea using Quizlet for them for vocabulary. Now, last time I checked, I haven't used Quizlet this year. I used it last year, but last time when I used Quizlet, it was really interactive too. You can put videos in there. You can add photos, of course. Um, you can even add translated versions of their native language in there as well. So last time I checked, Quizlet was such a um, great tool to use. And that is something I actually may use this year. Our district wants us to use reading A to Z. Um, and kind of um, like somebody was saying, sometimes, you know, with reading A to Z, the phone, you have to be really mindful about the books that you're picking with your students because you don't want it to be too kiddie. And I mean, the secondary teachers know what I'm saying with this is that you do not want anything kiddie. They will shut down. <laughs> uh, they don't want to have nothing to do with it. They're like, I'm, I'm too old for this. So you do have to be mindful about that. So with reading A to Z, um, I'm trying to be, it's, uh, it's tough because some of the kids, 
uh, lexile level maybe not a mat matches with you know the grade so that would be one thing that I would love to have I know saddleback books have low lexile level books that are mature but I haven't seen that much on reading A to Z. It's still a great resource. I'm still going to assign some lessons on there for my students and just, you know, hope for the best <laughs> that they uh, they like them and enjoy them. I'll have to probably play around with that as well. Um, Caitlin says she's been sending out her one pages for starting off with Flipgrid. That is such a good idea. I love one pagers. And when I find the bilingual how-to videos for these platforms, I'll shoot them out via email or text. Caitlin, that's a good idea. I'm going to definitely have to spotlight that um, because she's Caitlin's saying she sends out her mail and she's going to send a one pager for starting out with Flipgrid and Write Reader. I've never heard of Write Reader. Um, that's something I have to look into um, and look into that. And then she's saying that then she finds a bilingual how-to guide and how the students send it out via email or text. You are, I'm finding email and text are the most effective options of reaching out to my students. And it'd be interesting to know what you all think um, as well. Uh, yes, so um, Caitlin probably can explain more in the comments, but a um, one pager is that when they read a book or some type of text and then they demonstrate um, their learning visually. So you can have where one part of the, uh, it's just one page and you can have a block and it says, draw a picture of what you learned or pick out a quote that you learned or pick out vocabulary words that you all learned. If you go to teacher pay teacher, uh, I can't think of the lady's name, but type in one pager and put in free. She has a lot of resources on there as well. Um, if you go to uh, Instagram and then hashtag one pager, I follow it and it's really amazing. I'm interested if Caitlin says the same thing um, that she's talking about <laughs> um, as well. Uh, but I personally um, love using them. D, after the video, I will link to it. I'll put it in the comments and tag you um, in it. But it's a really great resource. One of my uh, students, not students, but one of the teachers I worked with, he did one. And it was absolutely amazing. I mean, it was just beautiful. He had some old ELLs in his class and they did really, really, really good. Yeah. So if you all have any follow-up questions, you all, I want to tell you all, I'm going to do another. I apologize for some reason. I don't know where my mind was. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking everybody's off and have all the time in the world. You all have Zoom lessons and things to do. But I'm going to do another live Q&A on Saturday, April 11th, at 2020, of course, at 11 a.m. Uh, and I'll do it on a webinar platform. You can still come, ask questions. If you have another question after this you want to ask, just feel free to do that. That way, a lot of people email me and said, look, I do not have Facebook. And I just assumed everybody has Facebook. So uh, I want to do that for them. So I'll do that Saturday. And some people are like, I'm in a meeting. I'm in a class. I can't come. So I'm going to do another live Q&A on Saturday at 11 a.m. So I would love for you all to show up. If you have any more questions, you can just write them in the comment box. I'll be going through looking at them and then I will address those on Saturday. This is recording. So I will also upload this to YouTube and post a link so you can share with other teachers as well. If you know other teachers that have benefit, just tag them in the post. That way they can see this and help out. And um, once again, I want to thank you all for showing up. Thank you, Carol. You all are busy and I appreciate everything you're doing. You all are doing a fantastic job. And so thank you all for everything. I know everybody tells you this all day, but 
thank you for everything that you all are doing for the students. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to them. And if you have any way that I can support you, just tag it in the comments, any resources I can help you find. And if you have any questions, do that as well, okay? So once again, thank you all for showing up and I will see you Saturday. Bye. Thank you for joining me this week on Adventures in ESL. Make sure to visit my website, myadventuresinesl.com for some freebies and special gifts. You can also subscribe to the show so you will never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, I appreciate it if you provide a rating on iTunes so more ESL teachers can learn strategies and tips. Thank you so much for tuning in today and remember to stay positive and always have high expectations for your English language learners. See you soon.